As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Hello and welcome to Pod on the Time, your go-to Newcastle United podcast brought to you by The Athletic. Coming up on this week's show. Almiron at the ready as the squad head for Austria. Eketike aside, a more detailed look at the attacking alternatives. And a very special guest appearance from one of the key figures in Keegan's 90s revolution. Yes, it's Pod on the Tine once again and we welcome back Mr. George Cogan is ready to engage with football again. How are you doing, George? I've never said that. <laughs> I'm not ready to engage with anything. <laughs> Well, can you at least engage with me and Chris just for a day and then we'll see how it goes. We'll do like a yeah, phase right. return. Yeah, is that okay, all right? Okay, fine. Yeah, ease me back in gently, please. Yes, yes. Well, well, I'm already having... That hasn't happened, has it, George? Because me and you saw each other earlier and you're already very annoyed at me, so... I don't, Chris. People already think that I pick on you, so... Um, but what, what I want everybody to know is that it's actually the other way around because when the fixtures come out, every single season, you find a way of sending me to fucking Brighton. <laughs> And you're doing it again. You're doing it again. First away game of the season. And you, you're taking it off. You're taking it off. But then you're coming back for the home game the following weekend, which just happens to be Manchester City at home. It's handy, isn't I'm it? I'm going to Brighton again. I've had, I've, had, I've had some of the worst experiences of my life in Brighton. St- the Steve Bruce, what should have been the end of Steve Bruce, which didn't happen. No fans in the stadium. Awful. Last season... I can't even remember what happened. Marginally better. It was after the takeover, but Eddie Howe was in the... St- oh, God, Brighton. You sent me to Brighton. I don't understand how this has happened in my life. What a welcome back from holiday. Smashing bit of shithousery, that, Chris. Nicely done. That's what it is. Nicely done. Well, that's quite all right. You know, this is this is my pre-season training for George to get try and get his head back into the game. So Get him up to match fitness. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. 
Oh, fantastic. Chris, you've had a bit of a haircut, haven't you? The the council doing that, that, that annual haircut again, are they? Yeah, he's, he's always seems to have issues with my hair, don't you? Nobody ever seems to like my hair. It looks like it's been cut from the inside, Chris, that's why. <laughs> well, as I was telling you guys earlier, I don't enjoy the experience of getting my hair cut because Alice now takes me to where she gets a haircut and the, uh, the woman who cuts my hair, she has a dog who hates me, shouts at me, Barks at me, sorry, and then tries to piss shouts on me whenever I'm there. The so dog, yes, it's not. Shout to me. I'm getting so annoyed. Chris, people try and piss on you wherever you go, though, Chris. So I'm not sure. That's... And when Taylor said a bit of a haircut, it was actually accurate because it does look like it. You've had a bit of a haircut, but not a full haircut. Anyway, that's enough personal insults. Come on, let's, oh, I'm so sorry. I can't let's... get my head around a fucking dog shouting at Chris. That's. <laughs> Can't go back on holiday again. Oh. <laughs> Get your hair cut at you, Chris. <laughs> I'm better than this. Oh my word! <clears throat> right, let's try and compose ourselves, chaps. We've got a podcast to do. <clears throat> oh, thank you for providing light entertainment, Chris. As always, uh, it's great fun. Uh, right, of course, the squad have flown out to Austria now for their pre-season training camp, uh, and they've beaten Gateshead five-one uh, at the weekend as well. Um, Miguel Almiron singled out for some praise after the game at Long Benton, a couple of goals and a decent performance. Chris, it's uh, it's the kind of start that you need, isn't it? Albeit against the Gateshead side. Yeah, well, I mean, pre-season friendlies, so often you'll hear managers say that the result isn't important and the result, obviously, it doesn't really matter. But to get so many players that basically 22 players had a 45-minute run out, some of them, Almiron had only just returned a few days before that and managed to, to grab a couple of goals. That's what he needs to add to his game. We know he needs to add more end product. He knows that Newcastle are potentially looking at right-sided forwards, and so his position yeah. could be under threat. And so, yeah, he, he's, he's responded. Longstaff got a goal. Joe Linton scored a penalty as well, which in itself was was great. Matt Ritchie is still there, and he scored too. So it was it was, it was was a run out. It was behind closed doors. I haven't seen any more than, than supporters who've seen stuff on YouTube. I've spoken to people, but I, I obviously wasn't, I wasn't there. It yeah. was behind closed doors. But I am... Very much looking forward to seeing Newcastle in action on Friday uh, and then next Monday when they play 1860 Munich and Mainz. I'm going out to Austria uh, right. on Thursday, so it'll be interesting to to, to see, the, hopefully see Sven Bottman make his debut. You're happy to travel to Austria, Chris, are you? Yeah, not via Brighton, though. <laughs> interesting. <laughs> the, hills will, interesting. the hills will be alive with the sound of Chris Wolf, I'm sure. Uh, yeah, um, and transfer chat, we'll do a little bit more of that on incomings later on. Um, Kieran Clark hasn't travelled, is that right, Chris? No, he hasn't. He uh, After training with the under-21s last week, he is, well, he's had a medical at Sheffield United today, is my understanding, so he should be joining there on a season-long loan, which will take him through to, to the end of his contract. And then Jeff Hendrick has yeah. joined Reading on loan and scored minutes after joining them, Incredible I believe, in a, in, a, in a behind closed doors friendly. Shows what Newcastle are missing. Um, so <laughs> there, no, but there we go. So there, what's there the to- what's the recall clause in that uh, in that loan deal, Chris? Can we get him back? Well, if he score, if he if he keeps scoring, then they might want to. They might want to. But, uh, <laughs> so th- there's two players who um, Eddie Howard said were were no longer in his first team plans, particularly Q and Clark, someone who really has been a very good servant to the club, arrived uh, during the rele- uh, the, after the relegation season, helped yeah. them for promotion, being someone who's been reliable for the past few years. And yeah, I, just, I think that a lot of fans will wish him a fond farewell. Am I imagining this? Or did Jeff Hendricks score on his full debut for Newcastle as well? Didn't he score against West Ham first game of the season? Did indeed. Just get him on a one-game deal. <laughs> Every club who signs him, get him on a one-game deal. 
and then that's it. Yeah, absolutely. George? Yeah, it's, it's, it's important. I mean, that was one of the priorities for this summer. It sounds ridiculous, but is, is, is getting people out the door with the greatest of respect and doing that, um, doing that quickly, treating them the right way, because as Chris said, They've uh, they've they've done valuable service for the club. We know Isaac Hayden has left. Still in mourning for that, obviously. And <laughs> oh, yeah. um, because a you can't have you know you can't have uh, big numbers around a squad, and a manager doesn't want you know the manager doesn't want that. Eddie Howe's made that very plain. The the players not who aren't going to be involved in the first team have been asked to train uh, elsewhere. But that's an awkward situation and not one you want to linger. So it's very very important to the club that they get those players out but do it in the right way and so there's no no resentment absolutely um speaking of loan signings chris newcastle's greatest ever loan signing was who's your who's your pick this week well quite controversially i went for joe willock now i admit there was i said with even within it there's probably a lot of recency bias in this definitely not say do dumbia well he he was a close second islam samani no i mean Joe Willock did break a goal-scoring record. I mean, it's yeah. in terms of the consecutive matches for for his age, his youngest player ever to do it, and and just that impact. I think in terms of what people expected to what he delivered, other notable mentions: Luik Remy was mentioned by a lot of people. Mm, yeah. uh, there was also Martin Dubravka initially, Kennedy on his initial loan spell, but then also someone uh, went a bit further back and mentioned Sylvain Distan, who was very very good when he was on loan at Newcastle. So. Of course, absolutely. Uh, right, and more transfer chat uh, on the back end, but let's get straight into the main event uh, with our very special guest. Straight after this little bit of admin, though. You can subscribe to The Athletic for just £1 a month for the first six months. Just go to theathletic.com forward slash Newcastle pod and you get full access to all of our great writing as well as ad-free versions of all of the Athletics podcasts. That's theathletic.com forward slash Newcastle pod. Sign up now. Come with you, Maggie. Right then, it's time to reveal the identity of our special guest for the day. I teased you online earlier on and there was some wild speculation as to who our entertainer would be. And it's not James Perch or Jimmy Nail or the Geordie Dancer and it's definitely not Rude Hullet. Uh, congratulations to Dave Crawford, who did guess correctly, uh, and he's not just an entertainer, he's one of the entertainers. In fact, he's essentially a founding member. Uh, he's our favourite fullback, bomber on, and sporter of fabulously baggy shorts. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Mr. John Beresford. So, John, really exciting to have you on the show. Almost 30 years since you joined Kevin Keegan's revolution at Newcastle United. How does it feel looking back on all that time that's passed? Uh, all I can say is... Time flies when you're having fun. But you know what? It's, it's hard to explain. It's got, I've got so many good memories. It's frightening. You, you talk about having reunions. Um, the lads are talking about it now. Uh, because every time I, I'm lucky enough that I still work at the club and I can still invite players back to the club, whether it be David Kelly, uh, whether it be Scott Sellers, whether, whether it might be David Ginola, whoever it may be, I still have great times to remember. But because some of the lads now will have disappeared, going back to like Alex Maffey, Barry Venison, Paul Bracewell, mm. but where it all started, they kind of pestered me and say, Bez, can you organise, you know, a get together? And I think we've got a chance now because yeah. under Mike Ashley, he had no kind of compassion to think about 
the club is itself. I used to say, can we organise like an entertainment, an entertainer's game? And and, and they wouldn't, they wouldn't let me use the, the club's uh, name. Wouldn't let me use the club's sort of emblem. Yeah, I'm just hoping now because how it's changed in, into a better place that we can maybe reminisce a little bit more about it. Well, we're going to come on to uh, the present day in a, in a bit, if that's all right. I do want to sort of take you right back 30 years. You shouldn't, or should I say left back 30 years, um, you shouldn't really have signed for Newcastle in the first place, should you? Because you should have signed for Liverpool. I mean, you were a massive signing for Newcastle at the time, but you could have gone to Liverpool. Go back, go back to that moment, please, and how you felt about it falling through at Liverpool and then coming on to join Newcastle. My contract was up at Portsmouth. I'd been tapped up, which was in them days was illegal, but I got a phone call from Graham Soonis at Liverpool saying, you know, would you like to come and join me? We'd just been beaten by them in the final of the Cup, uh, so I was putting on air. I'm going to sign for Liverpool Football Club, you know, they'd won the FA Cup. I was going to be playing in Europe. And then I went, I went up to Anfield with my dad. I didn't have an agent. And just literally... Went in, did the medical, and then there was a sixth sense. There was something not quite right. Anyhow, Graham Sunnis came to me. He says, um, "He says, have you ever fractured your ankle?" And I said, "Yeah, I did it years ago when I was at Barnsley." He says, "It's not set properly." And he got a couple of a couple of the board had said, "We're not signing any more people unless they're hundred percent fit." Now I I'm now begging him, saying, "You've got to make this happen, please," because I'm thinking no one's ever going to touch me. Cut a long story short, Graham Sunnis says, "John." I'm sorry, until I can get the board to agree this, the deal's off. Now, I'm coming out of Anfield. I'm not going to lie, I'm in tears. And my dad's trying to console me. I'm saying, Dad, I'm screwed. Nobody's going to touch me. I phoned Jim Smith up. <laughs> I'm a manager at Portsmouth. And um, he just went, Bez, that's bollocks. I'm saying, you might think it's bollocks, but the deal's off. Yeah. He went, don't worry. And I went, what do you mean, don't worry? He says, somebody else wants you. And I was like, who's that? He went, Kevin Keegan at Newcastle. Now, no disrespect, I'd played against Newcastle that season and uh, Keegan had come in and just and, and helped them to survive. And they weren't a great team, to be honest. And he just went, look, give him a call. Now, Keegan was a boyhood hero of mine, so I was kind of okay. And I remember pulling up at Birch Services. I didn't have a mobile phone. I pulled up at Birch Services. I had a number to ring. And I phoned him, and this is exactly what happened. I went, hello? His voice went, who's this? I went, it's John Beresford. I heard his voice going, thank you, thank you so much. Get yourself up here, come and sign for me now. And I'm like, hang on a bit. I said, do you realise what's just happened? And he's like, no, 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 what's up? I says, I've just failed the medical at Liverpool. And he started laughing. He says, oh, don't worry. He says, I've just signed Paul Bracel. You'll piss hours. I said, he said, do you know where uh, Gosford Park Hotel is? And I went, no. He went, you can't miss it. It's next to the ra- uh, horse racing. He says, he says, go up to the A1 until you see horse racing sign. Get off big hotel. Can't miss it. And I pulled in. Me and my dad pulled in there. I could see it. I'm like nudging my dad. And I'm going, Dad, look, Keegan's there. Tell him that. They're there. And I pulled into the car park and they came out to meet me. And uh, honestly, the next hour was just... To people who've met Kevin and, and met him for the first time, especially in where he was at that time, his enthusiasm, he's got this awe about him. He just, he brought me in, he went, oh, don't you worry about what's happened today. Blessing in disguise. 
You're going to sign for me. We're going to promote this year. I'm going to get the England squad. We're getting Europe. And I'm thinking, we've got drugs, you know. (laughs) And I remember, I just, it was just a blur. I remember coming out of the meeting and me and my dad, by this, by this time I'd signed, I'd signed. (laughs) And and, and this, this is where it was unbelievable as well. Because I, I, I didn't have an agent, but I agreed a contract with Graham Sooners. Um, I phoned the PFA, so I got an idea of what, what fee I should be asking for, wages-wise. And Keegan said to me, he says, um, I'll show you how, how big we're going to be. And I'm going, yeah, 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 wherever, I've got to get it all. And he went, he says, I've, I've already spoke to Graham Sooners. And I'm like, right. He went, well, he says, I found out what he's offered you, um, your wages at Liverpool. And he matched them. Before I could even talk about contracts, he says, I want to show you that we're going to be competing with them likes of Liverpool. Wow. So like, for me, I'm signing for, you know, this, this, this person who I thought was iconic as, as, as a boy of hero. Straight away, I'm thinking, what do you want me to do? I'll do anything you want, you know, Gaffer, you know. And from that moment on, I had the best six and a half years under his, under his leadership that I've ever had in my life. It was just ridiculous. It's unbelievable that you, having done all that for you, that you told him to fuck off a couple of years later on the pitch. <laughs> but there you go. I, I phoned him up. In when was the last time I spoke to him? About three years ago, and I was he was doing a dinner, and uh, I was going to be at the dinner itself, and he literally came up to me. What's your language? <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 it still reminds me that every time I meet him. It's <laughs> amazing. It's funny when it happened, though, because you know the lads, you know, you're looking for help with lads, and everybody. Oh shit! By the way, <laughs> I don't worry. Mainly work for it. Put it that way. And obviously, the story, uh, the story for that for people who 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 either weren't alive or don't remember. That's a scary thought. But um, that was one of those <laughs> rare, that was one of those rare games. I think you'd given the ball to you'd given the ball to David and bombed forward, and Kevin had suggested that perhaps you should hang back for once, and that was your that was your response, wasn't it? Yeah, it's funny. Do you know what's called the lazy? <laughs> <laughs> One of those heat of the moment. I, I told him to fuck off. And I'm, as I'm sort of like trying to think, has he heard me? Has he heard me? And then all of a sudden, I saw Robbie get warming up. And, I, <laughs> <laughs> and then I got stuck after about 15, 20 minutes. Amazing. Bears, can I just take you back? So you, you, you said you, you're saying for Newcastle and you, you come up, you speak to Keegan, but you've said... You'd played them the season before, didn't think they were great. Even after what Keegan said to you, what were your thoughts going into that 92-93 season? What were you thinking was going to What did you think was going to happen? Once, once I'd spent pre-season there and I saw the likes of Kevin Sheedy, then we signed Barry Venison. Um, I, I, could, I could see the quality of Gavin Peacock, David Kelly, Lee Clark. And then, the, you, then you got some great talent with like, such as... Uh, Steve Watson, uh, Robbie Elliott, um, and then and oh, and, and and the big one of the big characters at the change room at that time was Brankel Klein. Of course. So I could so I could see all of a sudden I could kind of see that there was there was a team there to to, to compete, but it I just didn't think it had, had any guidance. But the strange thing was is where Keegan just made the training so much fun. It was so relaxed. It was so good play and everything. He allowed the free, you, you the freedom. So all of a sudden, when we started playing in pre-season, you start to see things clicking. 
And I'm thinking, hang on a bit, we're onto something here. But the biggest thing of all, it was just, if anybody's seen the film Life of Brian and you just want to follow something, <laughs> we all believed that we could play in the top division. We just needed someone to take us there. And it was like, whatever he said, I believed in. And then all of a sudden, with the experience of Brian Kilcline, um and, and such as Brian, uh, Paul Bracewell and, and Venice, you know, all of a sudden I was going, hang on a bit. Yeah, yeah, we're, 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 on, we're on to something here. Yeah. And I think we went, I think the first 10 games we won. Yeah, 10 in a row, wasn't it? But it, Yeah, and it was just, it was, it was the belief that the manager put into us. But I just think it was, it was a group of kind of, of mis- mismatched players who, were, who got quite good characters, yeah. but kind of needed someone to, to, to believe in. The start of that season, John, was was special for me. It was the first season I started going to St. James's Park and watching Newcastle. Uh, I was 10 years old and uh, my first game was the first game of that season against Southend United. And they won 3-2 at home, I believe. Paul Bracewell scored the first goal, an absolute rocket. Um, but the, I, I wasn't old enough, obviously, to, to kind of sample the delights of the Quayside and the town centre at that time. But what was the atmosphere like around the town? I'd imagine it would have been fever pitch walking around the city and, and in the bars and stuff like that at the time. Yeah, I couldn't get my head around it. It was brilliant. You know, some people I think can find it intimidating. Some people can find it a little bit unnerving. Um, I think I think we embraced it. The group again. I think you had the characters that could embrace it. You know, when you go into down to the quayside, it's busy. You know. Um, I think the fans were ready for something to change. They could feel it as well. I, and I, I, I just think when, when they want to talk about the game, who are you playing, who are going to win, who, who, it, went, it went, are we going to win? It was how many we're going to win by. <laughs> Keegan was already feeding the fans, you know. Yeah. He, played, he played at the club. He, he understood how the club worked. He understood the mentality of the Jordan which is a weird one to understand, by the way. <laughs> but you, you can work it. You've got you you've got to get them on the feet, and if they're with you, honestly, the noise, the feeling, and as I say, it, it, the, the place became party town, and I I, I I sensed that the the city was growing as well as the football club. But you know, I, I've seen players come and go over the oh, oh God over the last twenty five years who can't handle. Yeah, they find it a little bit too intense. They find it a little bit overpowering, a bit intimidating. Um, that's why, you know, if you're a bit of a shy kind of, and you've got a shy nature, I would have said probably Newcastle United is not for you. So for for me, it was also, that was also a massively important season. It's probably my favourite season as a Newcastle fan. I went to every home game that season. I will always be in love with you, John, um, and, and your teammates because of that. Because of that season and 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 Kevin and the way it was. One of the things that I think, and one of the things that I'm really pleased about what's happening at the club now, is the parallel with that season. So, you know, the season before Newcastle, not far off oblivion. I mean, you know, obviously it was that was relegation last season. A takeover happens. A new manager comes in, and then there's that huge uplift. In the city, we saw the scenes. You know, we saw the scenes once the takeover happened last season. Now there's that clamour for tickets for every home game. Do you see that parallel between now and thirty years ago? Do you? And you know, I'm pleased because it means that the next generation is getting to experience a little bit of what I experienced and Taylor experienced, albeit the football's not 
you know, not quite of the same quality. No, but it's exactly the same. You know, there's so many parallels to it. You know, because I still work at the club and, you know, I've been doing the games in the corporate. I was about to jack it all in. I'd had enough. I was turning into an old moaning git. The football was awful. Just, it wasn't enjoyable. The takeover came. I didn't expect the takeover to materialise how it has, you know, uh, how coming in has just blown me away. I, you know, I thought it'd do okay, not do what it's done. But what didn't surprise me was once you get the right players in, and which is what I'm talking about, and you get the right players who can who can handle the intensity of what it is like playing in front of a Newcastle United crowd. Like when the, when the Spurs game happened. We'd still got the old team. We hadn't signed anybody. And I said, um, and I did, and I went out and I went, and I hate being sort of like, you don't sometimes, you don't want to criticise always, but I'd seen this team and I'm going, they haven't got characters. They, they, didn't have, they didn't have any, what I call bollocks. They had a team of players who played in their own little world and just looked after themselves. And that's why they were at bottom of the league. All of a sudden, Howe comes in, he signs Trippier. What, what a signing was just unbelievable. But he could handle it all straight away. All these players that came in seemed to go, do you know what? They were big personalities. And then all of a sudden, they embraced it. And what happens is, and it was what happened when, when I was at Newcastle, when Barry Venison came, who played at Anfield, and Paul Bracewell, Goodison, certainly you not. Know, all of a sudden, Killer, Brian Klein, you know, Kevin Sheeder. Then all of a sudden, it rubs off on me. Then it goes down the list to, to Lee Clark and the younger players. And I said, oh, and then it spreads around the whole team, and that's what it did. What I, what what the sort of the takeover allowed was a to get the right players in for the fans then to have something to shout yeah. about. So, and and like I said, the the, the Geordies are going to react one way. They they're going to go for it. They're going to give you everything, and it's up to the players then to react. And they did. And honestly, what I have seen, oh, for the, from January onwards, has just been phenomenal. But it's just been awe-inspiring. You know, like, like I'm getting, can you find me tickets? Is there any way? <laughs> it's just gone mental again. And, and you know what? Long may it continue. Because, as I said, all the old players, I hope, will get invited back. I'm, I've, I've, I used to invite a player to every game. I've now been asked can I invite two players. So, as you can guess, I'm, I'm inviting all my mates. So, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. And it's all, I'm, I think for the first game... Um, because it's not Forest, I've got Stevie Watson coming back, and then I've also got an, a one. Because I always try and mix one up. I got Franz Carr because he was not Forest. Oh, Franz Carr, yeah. Who are? So all of a sudden, like Franz Carr out the blue, Bez, I haven't been back to the club. I mean, mate, come back, come and enjoy it. Because he, yeah. And he just says, I says the experience you'll get will be second to none. And this is this is this is why I say Newcastle. Once you've played at Newcastle, it, it does leave something in you. And I said, the more time you spend there, the more the more it gets under your skin. Um, so, as I say, it, yeah. it, it's a fantastic place to be at the moment. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com 
slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Talking about another uh, former former Newcastle player, I did a piece. We, well, we've been running a series at the Athletic about uh, kind of great performances in the individual performances in the Premier League era, and one of the ones that was chosen by the panel wasn't wasn't us. Was Man City three, Newcastle three, uh, in the famous season February ninety five ninety six, in which Philippe Albert seemed to be transformed into a auxiliary striker because he certainly wasn't playing in defence and he scored twice and it was an amazing game um, obviously Newcastle still absolutely in the thick of the title race at that point would go on to play Man United the next week and have a bit of a heartbreaker but what are your memories of that game and what are your memories of playing alongside well I'm not sure how often you were alongside Philippe but uh, <laughs> what, what, what are your memories of playing with Philippe? The weirdest thing this is where you know you look back and you See the little things of like people go, where did it go wrong? But you see the little cheats. We turned up at Main Road and it was always a big game for me. I got released from Man City. Oh, yeah, of course. So I was like, I turned up and you know, the, the gaffer do what he normally does. He, he names the team. And then I'm like, looking at the team. I'm thinking, yeah, yeah, that's fine. And then all of a sudden he came to us. Now, as you all know, the gaffer went into tactics. We all kind of knew what he did. Three, three at the back, yeah. Now, usually, now, a Sunday league team would probably work on it for five minutes. <laughs> we didn't even know, and he just went, he went, and I'm, I'm, in the end, so I'm thinking, well, I must be playing left wing back then. So, honestly, all of a sudden, and I think Derek Fazakli came, came and said to me, he went, he says, Bez, just go with it, because I was a bit chirpy. I kept my mouth shut, and I'm going, where are we going with this? Anyway, he says, we're playing three at the back, we're playing with wing backs, and anyhow, I've never looked at the full game back. I just I've seen the highlights a couple of times, and I think a couple of times I'm in the box and Philippe scoring. I'm thinking, how's that happening? You know. <laughs> but yeah, our, our our best our best. We we used to call him. We had an overlapping centre forward, didn't we? Which was Philippe Albert. <laughs> he just believed. He just believed. Uh, it's amazing. That we would score more more goals than them. Um, we did score three again, yeah. but. It was a little bit organised chaos, but I, I wouldn't have minded us playing that. I, I would have just liked to have probably had half an hour just running through with a bit of shape, but the gaffer didn't like doing yeah. that. <laughs> John, you you played behind uh, David Ginola, and, and obviously he was uh, he wasn't a great one for track and back in particular. Um, and we, Newcastle have got their own mercurial Frenchman currently, Alanson Maximan. How would you have fancied playing behind Alanson Maximan? Oh no, he'd, he'd, he'd done my head in. I, playing behind that. <laughs> I thought that might be the case, to be honest. Oh, honestly. Did, yes, I, I knew I was the water carrier. I knew I had to. to that I, I would get tooed up. My job was to literally slow people down if I'm getting tooed up and then give it the Frenchman to do whatever he does. 
David would create, he would torture the fullbacks. Do not get me wrong. St. Maximum has got ability that I could only dream about. Mm -hmm. The trouble is, he needs someone to get in his head and slow him down. Yeah. He, has to, he has to make better decisions. It's one of those, into It's like, you can see it, physical specimen. I mean, he's, he's, he's electric quick. He's so strong. He can chop on either foot. But as I say, his decision-making is horrendous. <laughs> and, and, but this way, you've got to have people behind him, you know. Don't you? David would get carried away sometimes. If people doubled up on David, sometimes, you know, his Frenchness would be, how shall I can beat both of you? But if you've got, sometimes if I'm shouting and then you've got someone like David Batty shouting, Rob Lee shouting, oi, you know, and there's a few languages going in there going, fucking, we've got a spare money, yeah? <laughs> Yeah. And then, it, and don't get me wrong, David would then realise we'd now go out the other way and then you overload on, a, on somebody else. So, yeah, yeah, don't get me wrong, you know, the, you know, when you've got talent like what St. Maximum has and David has, they want to show it, but you've got to know when to show it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, yeah, that, that's the difference. I, it, it, I mean, don't get me wrong, all the fans are shouting and everything else for St. Maximum. But sometimes the fans have got to be better not to shout because he gets excited and thinks he's got to beat the world. Best, <laughs> <laughs> obviously, you watch the the current team a lot, and you, you you've you've mentioned Sam Maximan. I mean, the business they've done so far this summer. What have you made of that? And also, what would you like to see before the start of the season? What do you think Newcastle still need? To be honest, if if Wilson's fit, fantastic. I think Wood 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 was the only signing where I thought. I thought he could have done better. But when I looked at it and I sort of like really looked into it closer, he was brilliant for the team because he led the line. He probably didn't get goals in the, and probably show off the ability which I'd like. We probably didn't get enough crosses in for him. So he could have been like, like sure what he really could do like he did at Burnley. Yeah. But what he did do is he gave a presence up front. He gave it when the ball did come away, he, he held it up enough to get everybody to come and join in. We all know that as I said, I mentioned Trippier. I think Dan Byrne coming in, having that steeliness, uh, he's a Jordan. I think he brings I think he, he brings a lot of character to the team. And then you're going target again. Uh, always improving. Fantastic level. Probably lacks a little bit of pace. If you if you were to say that's a weakness. But what he does and what he's good at is the basics. Great tackler, great passer, great touch. And he makes it. And you know what? As I said, and what I like about him, he's British as well. He cares. And you can see that in his play. I mean, everyone raves about Bruno. Don't get me wrong. He's, he's a class act. And he is going to be iconic for Newcastle United. That's what we... The fans have been waiting for someone like that. Yeah. They, they, they want someone that they can grab hold to. They want something special. Like your Beardsley's. Like your, your Ginola's. You know, your... Uh, Tino Estrellas, you know, you go through it. They want something that's different, but, but it gets people off the seat, you know. And he he fits into that into that uh, into that position or into that person, into that player that what Newcastle wants. So it all it was like you said, it, everything, every signing he did, I think, has been brilliant. I was interested to see who's coming to summer. Botman's come. I'll be honest with you, not seen him. Not got a clue. I've heard rave reviews. People are telling me he's up there. He's, he's, he's a proper player. So I would look for maybe, maybe one more signing, a centre-forward of such. I'm looking for something with 
electric paint, something that can come off and just be a little bit bit dynamic, something a little bit different, somebody who can open open the doors a little bit. I know they were looking at such a Jesse Lingard, but I think he, he, he thinks he's better than what he is, but he's got a bit of a talent. So you've got to be careful as well. You don't want to, you want, you want players who are going to come in, not jump on the bandwagon just because it's Newcastle United and they can spend a lot of money. Yeah. So I'm saying that the signings they've done is just carry on the way they are. They're not being stupid, which I think is fantastic. They're not sort of like paying stupid over the odds money where you're going to have what happened at Middlesbrough when they had, you know, they just signed Janino and you can remember what happened there. You've got people on mega money and people on lower money yeah. and then you lose harmony in the dressing room. You've got to have everybody fighting for the same cause. So you, you're hoping that they do, they're not only doing the homework on sort of the player, I'm hoping they're going, his character, he's even fit of what it suits in Newcastle United. And I think that's what the difference is about. So I'm thinking the signings that they've come in, I just, I'd like to just see, I don't know, just something that, like a person who's going to come off the bench and he's like an impact player. I think we could just sign Little Diamond before the, uh, you know, sort of, sort of before the season starts. And if that happens and Newcastle do get that player, what do you think is a realistic target for Newcastle in this coming season? I mean, one of the lovely things about the last few months has been the sort of lack of judgment around the club. Everyone's just very happy knowing that the team's getting better and that the club's getting better. But what do you think they should be looking at or are capable of looking at? next season uh, the keeper will look in top 10 um, I'm, I'm, I'm pushing them to be top 8 honestly that is perfect progression of where we've been we were going down last year no no qualms about it we were going down the change around has been phenomenal so you've got to be careful just how far don't get over excited all the new players have have got to they've got to connect they've got to spend pre-season all getting to know each other Getting the lights, you know, which side do they like the ball? You know, you know, is, is he a person who needs a cuddle? Is he a person who needs a bollock? <laughs> All these yeah. things make a difference. This, this is where pre-season is so important. This is why, you know, the modern-day footballer sometimes, you know, you have to say, oi, get them earphones off, you know, talk to somebody. <laughs> and, and I say some, some bits of the old school mixed with the, the new player, it'll go so far. And I think that's what Heady House still is. He's getting, you know, I know Dan Byrne. I know that a lot of players, Trippier, they're old school. Yeah. They've been brought, like, if you look at Burnley's and places like that, they bring that in the modern day to the modern day. He's a little bit more, you know, he needs a bit more wrapped up in cotton wood. He needs a cuddle. He needs to be telling how good he is. But sometimes you have to take the bollock in, in the right way and go, come on, let's make a difference. So... Yeah, the, the club is now is on, a, is on a great standing. We've got an exciting season ahead. All I do ask for, and I just thought that let's have a right good go at the Cups. Yeah. It means a lot to the family. And for us to come and do it, Jesus, well, they'll, they'll, they'll make a stand for where he can put his statue on there, the out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's about six games, and if we got a win. Yeah, I mean, I, I was... I was I was going to say I mean obviously you came so incredibly close uh, of that fabulous team you'll always be legends for that no matter no matter what how just how messy do you think Newcastle would be if and when they do break their duck when it comes to trophies in the modern <laughs> era ah well I'll, I'll be I'll be going missing for a week <laughs> <laughs> I 
if, if, if the game was on Saturday, you'd have to shut next week in Newcastle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're the closed. Big, closed. <laughs> yeah. The big market would be like the last days of Rome, wouldn't it? <laughs> it it'd, be, it'd be phenomenal. It's crying out for it. As I say, it will happen. You know, I used to say, you know, I used to go and do talkings and things like that. And when I used to do the talking, when, you know, when my cast was in charge, I'm just saying, look, it's not going to happen. I, you have to be open and honest. Mm. I'm saying it's never going to happen in my lifetime. Well, what's, what, what's in place at the moment? All of a sudden now, we've got the ability to dream, we've got the ability to hope, and we've now got the faith in something that can happen. And as I say, it's like we're having these chats now. You know, we wouldn't be having this chat, we are on this podcast, if, if literally this takeover had taken place. I mean, that, to, to, to kind of bring us back round to the start, I mean, that is the other parallel with 30 years ago, isn't it? At the end of that season, you've got Kevin saying, tell Alex Ferguson we're coming after him, and and my God, <laughs> you, and my God you did it, you know. And, and now you've got an ownership saying, our aim is to win something, and you see how the city and the club and... The fan base responds to that ambition. It's incredible. It really is. And, but, but as I say, it only works if, if every component is on board. Yeah. It was like Kevin Keegan with the John O, making sure that he could buy who he wanted. Then it was Keegan getting the right players in. Then it was Keegan and Terry and Mike, uh, Derek Vazakle, you know, the coaching staff, getting us to sort of be as best we could. Yeah. And then the fans on board to take it to the next step. Because as I say, I've played in games. It's funny, when I played at Barnsley and we were crap, honestly, you know, ref, ref, all refereeing decisions went against us. <laughs> I've, when I was at Newcastle and you're battering people, funny enough, you get decisions going for you. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, John, just before we finish up, uh, I wanted to mention you were you were given an MBA in 2017 for some of the educational work that you did with Show Racism, the Red Card, and you worked alongside Shaka Hislop uh, on those campaigns. It must be great to see... Uh, your old friend recognised by the city as well. Been absolutely brilliant. Honestly, Jacka is one of the... I mean, you, you always say this when people get the awards and everything else, but I can tell you, and you, and, and people who've ever been he is one of the nicest, greatest people you ever wish to meet. Yeah. What he's sort of done since, you know, leaving football and, you know, to make a difference to people's lives, all I did was... was was piggyback him, you know, I held his shirt down. <laughs> I told them my stories growing up, you know, you know, I came from a concrete jungle, you know, and you try and educate. The thing is with, with things like racism or any kind of education with kids, whether it be Islamophobia or whatever, whatever it is, it's all education. If you can go into schools, catch it early enough, get them to think about what they're doing, what they're saying. You know, it's funny enough that the world becomes a better place. Well, John, thank you so much for uh, for joining us today. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on. Some great stories. And uh, hopefully we'll speak to you again in the future after Newcastle have won that first cup. Uh, <laughs> that would be amazing, wouldn't it? Cheers, boys. Great. Thanks a lot for having us, Thank you. John. Thanks so much. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? 
FX's Welcome to Wrexham premieres May 2nd on FX. Stream on Hulu. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. My God, I feel like I need to have a lie down after that interview with John Beresford. He just, it's just got so much energy, hasn't he? And just like he was in his playing days as well. And he's still so full of enthusiasm for football and for Newcastle United. And I could listen to him talk and tell stories for hours, Chris. It's just, it's just fantastic to have him on. And what a great interview. Yeah, well, you want to get yourself in the boxes at St. James's then and get listening to him Definitely. again. Because, you know, he's just, he is, he is... He's such a great character. Uh, he's always whenever he, whenever you message him about anything, he always. And it, I just love it how he always he always signs off with bears as well. I just it's great. <laughs> just, that, bears, that's just who he is. Fantastic. Yeah, of course, part of a very very special team and a very very special era. Lovely to to reminisce about that, but also to feel that hope of it of of that sort of feeling being back again. So and because you yes. know, it's also lovely. It's lovely to hear that former players like him, but also others that he's now able to bring back to the club are involved and that they're integral and that the club actually want them to come back because for far too long um, there's been huge negligence there about Newcastle's former former heroes. Brilliant that they're back under the umbrella. Chris, you've got a long read on Elliot Anderson, which has just come out. Um, he's fresh from his heroics down at Bristol last season and uh, looking to impress Eddie Howe in pre-season. Uh, what's the sort of thoughts about him at the minute? It, it, it's, it was looking likely he was going to go out on loan, but do we think if he has a good pre-season, he might stick around? There is that possibility. I mean, I think the likelihood is he probably will go out on loan because he's at a stage where it's really essential for him to keep playing. But Eddie Howe is, is having a real look at him. And I've spoken to people in and around the club and people close to, to Elliot Anderson for this piece to sort of look at, at his situation because he fully believes in himself. He believes that... Uh, he, he gave an interview actually out in Austria today with, with Tommy Stubby from the club and he basically says within that that, that I, I want to be playing regularly somewhere and I hope that's here mm. he has full confidence in his own ability and he, he the other players in the squad some of the first teamers including Alan Sam Maxman really do like him and think that he really brings something in around the team so he did do very very well out of Bristol uh, Rovers Newcastle would have ideally liked him to have been a little bit higher in the t- uh, in the football pyramid than League Two. It is a huge step to go from League Two to Premier League. But Howe's having a real look at him until more attacking players arrive. Then there is every possibility that if he impresses, then he could stick around. Because a, but a lot of Championship clubs and basically all of League One clubs want to to sign him on loan. Newcastle will have a real think about where they are going to send him if they do send him. What what style of football they want? How's he going to play? What sort of manager is it? And it may turn out that a, that a top half League One team might be better than the bottom half championship for someone in terms of the amount of possession he get, the amount of opportunities he'll get. But until Newcastle signs someone, the very good thing about Elliot Anderson from Newcastle's point of view is he doesn't need to be named in the 25-man squad because yeah. of his age, the senior squad. So therefore, they could potentially keep him around without moving on quite as many players. So I still think in, a, in about a fortnight's time, he's probably likely to go out on loan. But he was going to be, he was always going to be given the first two, three weeks of preseason, and then after Austria, they'll see where he's going to head. 
It's an interesting one, this, George, isn't it? Because it, you want him to get minutes under his belt, you want him to develop, and you want him to play lots and lots of games. But at the same time, if Newcastle have a talent like that, somebody who is potentially a game changer, you want to maybe keep him around the club if he's going to have some kind of impact. And, you know, there's been lots of comparisons made with other players, and I might, it might be a bit reductive at the minute. They're so early in his development, but he's an exciting boy. And, you know, we, we maybe we need somebody with that kind of spark. Yeah, it's an interesting one. Again, with this, you feel far more uh, confident that the club will look after him properly now and that there will be Mm, joined up thinking about where he goes, what he does and how it works. It won't just be left to the manager. It takes me back, in fact, to when Rafa turned up at the Newcastle and asked, uh, asked around about who he should be looking at from the you know from from the younger age groups that weren't in the f- in the first team and he was told you know he he claims that he was told nobody and of course Ivan Tony then leaves and is now a premier league player in his own right and um i'm you know i'm not i'm not trying to kind of cast blame there or anything like that but there's a very real point to be made that the idea is that there wasn't enough communication between the various parts of the club. This is Dan Ashworth's job, first and foremost, to make sure that everybody is talking. And as I say, you can feel far more secure and confident that whatever the pathway is is marked out for Elliot Anderson, it'll be it'll be a sound one and a secure one, most importantly for him, but also for the club so yeah he looks like a very exciting talent it's a massive leap making that leap to the Premier League is the diff- no, most difficult huge. leap of all, is the most difficult leap at all but um, yeah feel feel positive that um, that he's in safe hands now Chris, you've been looking at the Ekatike alternatives this week as well. There's been a number of different names mentioned. Moussa Diaby's been in there. Um, Sweden's uh, Alexander Isaac's been mentioned today as well by a few journalists. And there's a, there's been talk going around that he's been used as almost like a template as the ideal signing uh, for Newcastle United. Uh, a few whispers that the club might actually be moving for him. Yeah, well, the... Alexander Isaac is someone who Newcastle like and Steve Nixon, the head of recruitment, has followed him for a long while and everyone at the the club likes him, including Eddie Howe. And when I looked at this uh, alternatives for Hugo Ekatike uh, last week with with Mark Carey, our data writer, we used Alexander Isaac as that template because mainly because Hugo Ekatike hasn't played enough to really have the data set to be compared to someone. And because we knew that Alexander Isaac was still featuring heavily in, in, in conversations, uh, recruitment conversations at Newcastle United, we wrote that in the piece. Subsequently, uh, Luke Edwards from The Telegraph has written that uh, Newcastle are considering making a uh, club record bid for Alexander Isaac. He, and, and basically, I think they're at a point where they're trying to decide what they want to do forward-wise. They've, they've moved back from Ekatike, who reportedly is now in talks to sign for Paris Saint-Germain. And we know that they would ideally like a, a centre-forward and a right-winger. It may be that if they're trying to sign someone like Alexander Isaac permanently, they'll then wait till later in the window and try and sign a right-winger on loan. Or because Isaac can play anywhere across the front three or other players like that can... They're, they're just trying to work out what they can do with the finances they have left because they're, they're, they've given themselves that time, they've afforded themselves that by doing the rest of the business early. Now they need to focus on who's available, what they can do, and they're, they're basically looking out in the market and seeing, piecing together what they might be able to achieve in the remainder of the window. So I think that we're likely to, to possibly see a signing like that plus plus a loan signing. Or that, that's what Newcastle are working towards 
right now, but we may hear more from Eddie Howe out in Austria this weekend as to where Newcastle really are with transfers. Yeah, George Alexander Isaac's very young and very raw and still uh, still learning the game, still learning his trade. Didn't have the best of seasons last season, only six goals in the league. Um, but it seems to be the kind of template of player that Newcastle are looking at. Diaby, Ekatike, if I can get the pronunciation right, uh, and Isaac, they're all, they're all similar, uh, similar players, aren't they? Well, there is that... Uh, very important thing. They acknowledge that the age of the squad is is too high and way too high, and bringing down that average age is something that's very important moving forward. So yeah, fits that same. That's a very broad brushstroke I've just I've just given. But that um, they they want players who can develop with them. So they knew that with Etiquette. Oh, I can't say him now either. It's catching it. <laughs> They they knew with Hugo stupid that, name that isn't it stupid they name. knew they knew with Hugo that they were buying somebody <laughs> uh, that wouldn't necessarily be the finished article straight away but could develop and grow with them and again as I said yeah. about Elliot Anderson we you know we do have that confidence now that players who are brought into the club won't just uh, gradually get worse as they get older but can <laughs> be given the uh, can be given the sort of territory and landscape to kind of grow into and get better so that is something that they want to do they want to bring people in they want to increase their value yeah. um at some point newcastle will do business you know selling and buying and you know because all clubs do that whether it's man city whether it's uh whoever and that's you know that's an important part of newcastle's development they can't just end up with players who are 30 and 31 and 32 and have no sell-on value yeah they have to develop players for themselves either bringing them uh, through themselves, like with Elliot Anderson, or by bringing people in. So yeah, I'm sure that's a very conscious uh, situation that the players, a lot, some of the players they're looking at uh, are of very similar tender age. Uh, other other rumours this week, Chris Anthony Gordon Everton was one of those names linked. Not often do you see a player who unites St James's Park in hatred as much as he did. Uh, <laughs> but uh, he, he's another name that's been mentioned and another promising young player as well. Yeah, he's someone who back in January was floated as, as someone who Newcastle liked. And yes, that Dan Ashworth or at least other people at the club have sort of basically, I think, gone to Everton as they have to several other clubs about several other players and sort of asked the question of how much would it cost? And they got a very high figure back from Everton. And, and it was interesting the way the story came out last week. I was immediately sceptical because Newcastle have been keeping things very close to their chest mm. and just the way that it came out and subsequently then David Ornstein uh, for, for The Athletic reported that, that basically Anthony Gordon may be getting a new contract from Everton and it struck yeah. me immediately as that I just can't see Everton selling the sort of crown jewels this summer as much as they need money and as much as Richarlison's gone it strikes me as one which is which is unlikely for this summer but he is a player who Newcastle rate highly he's a hard-working uh, winger who who really did help Everton survive. He was probably the reason they did survive in the end. So, yeah, I think that's unlikely this summer, though. Uh, and uh, after he appeared on the podcast last week, uh, Seb Staffer Blue and the team over at TIFO, uh, they released their Newcastle United recommended transfers uh, video. Uh, a couple of interesting names in there, Chris. Christian Pulisic is one of those names that was mentioned in that uh, lofty uh, ambitions as far as that transfer goes, but I could see the logic behind it. Yeah, I mean, Pulisic is, seems to be someone who keeps being linked away with, with, with Chelsea, hasn't really ever quite settled there, hasn't really produced is Borussia Dortmund form consistently. Uh, he scores goals, uh, but 
I'm not sure. He might be a little bit above the age profile mm. of what Newcastle are looking at now. A little yeah, bit more experience there. Whether, but it, but it, but but late in the window, as I've said, if they come to a stage where they're going to try and sign players on loan and someone like Pulisic becomes available, wouldn't surprise me. Although I think someone like maybe Hudson Adoy there, he's maybe someone who, who on loan later in the window. That that's something Newcastle may explore. Excellent stuff. Uh, yeah, so check out that video uh, over on uh, T4, uh, the recommended transfers. Uh, not recommended transfers, sensible transfers, isn't it, Chris? That's what it's called, sensible transfers. It is, indeed. Of course. Yeah. Excellent. Really good video. Uh, check that out. Right then, Any uh, anything else, chaps, before we finish up? Absolutely not. No. Lovely stuff. Well, George, I must say it's, uh, been, it's I- been a delight to have you back. It really has. Why must you say that? Well, it's just I'm contractually obliged. It's in the script. I thought so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. It's been it's been a it's been a sheer pleasure to be back. Yeah. Well, I've just enjoyed hearing both of you try to pronounce Hugo Ekatike. So um, that, that's been my enjoyment for the day. <clears throat> I'll give you a word to I'll give you a word that I can pronounce. What? No, that didn't make sense. <laughs> we um, it's, it's Chris. Chris and I actually ended uh, before going on holiday. It feels like a. Feels like a long time ago now, but with a lovely evening out at the um, at the hoppings, Chris and I had together. We were I know we were on the we roller coaster together. Photos on Twitter it looked amazing. Yeah, did you uh, did it you win him a big teddy bear on the uh, on the hookah duck, George, or did you keep that for yourself? Uh, no, we did have a, a go of the penalty shootout game, which I'm very annoyed. To, I I struck three brilliant penalties right down the middle but unfortunately the holes were to either side so um so i didn't win anything you didn't you didn't you didn't do what you said you need to do for a penalty yeah but it wasn't an actual penalty was it chris it was it was about the man who was <clears> so <throat> adamant you have to twat a penalty and then he didn't yeah but it, there wasn't a goalkeeper was the chris so it's it's not the same thing anyway chris did get one in he flute one in which was very annoying but um <laughs> but yeah that was good great to see the hoppings back Lovely stuff. Right then, chops, let's call it a day. Thanks very much uh, for your time. And don't forget all of you lot out there, you can subscribe to The Athletic for just £1 a month for the first six months right now at theathletic.com forward slash Newcastle pod. Thanks a lot to Chris and George. And thanks, of course, to John Beresford as well for being a fantastic guest. Uh, Thanks a lot to you lot for listening as well. We'll be back next week. We'll speak to you very soon to all of you out there. Take care. And from everyone at Pod on the Time, thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Etikite aside, a more detailed look at the attacking alternatives. It's Ekatike. Ekatike. You did this last week. It's what Ekatike. did I say? Etikite. Etikite. Yeah, it's Ekatike, not Ekatike. Ekatike. You can't even say it wrong. <laughs> the Athletic. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.